Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Two hundred twenty thousand Americans dead. If you hear nothing else I say tonight, hear this. Anyone who's responsible for not taking control, in fact, not saying I'm, I take no responsibility initially. Anyone who's responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States of America. That was in the opening COVID volley. So did, did, did Biden say there'll be another 200,000 dead by the end of the year? Yes, is he that, did there's, twice, and he wasn't challenged on it. Is, are there stats to back that up? What? No. That's doubling the number we currently have by the end of the year. There's only two months left. Yeah, I know. I know. There are various nightmare scenarios. You know, everybody heads back in, indoors, especially in the chilly parts of the country. I thought Trump would push flu. back on that. Yeah, no, it's it just I kept waiting, but it didn't happen. On and the Kristen other hand, Welker, she's getting a ton of praise. I would say, judged by the standards of other debates, she did a very good job. Agreed. But she interrupted Trump on some, on something. Uh, no, he, he made a statement, then she said, uh, the scientists say that's not true. She didn't say anything about Biden saying 200,000 more people are going to die by the end of the year. Oh, no, what? she was biased you unquestionably. Yeah, yeah. It's just when you're used to, you know, walking into the classroom and having the teacher beat the hell out of you with a wooden stick, if you walk into the classroom one day and the teacher just says, you're an idiot and I hate you, you're thinking, wow, it's a pretty good teacher. <laughs> so, yeah, she was good by the standards of the previous debates. Uh, Trump responded, and, and I thought, uh, we've we've mentioned in, in previous segments, if you're just tuning in, a couple of places where I thought the president had a great opportunity and he just whiffed. 
This, I thought, was a great expression of the way a hell of a lot of people are looking at the vid situation. 32. And he talks about, we're, this is, don't worry, it's all going to be over soon. Come on. There's not another serious scientist in the world who thinks it's going to be over soon. President Trump, your reaction? I say over soon. I say we're learning to live with it. We have no choice. We can't lock ourselves up in a basement like Joe does. He has the, <laughs> he has the ability to lock himself up. I don't know. He's obviously made a lot of money someplace. But he has this <laughs> thing about living in a basement. People can't do that. By the way, I, as the president, couldn't do that. I'd love to put myself in the basement or in a beautiful room in the White House and go away for a year and a half until it disappears. I can't do that. Dang it. That wasn't the clip I thought it was. What he said was repeatedly, we can't shut our way down out of this. We need to learn to live with it. He quite beautifully explained, we've got to protect our old. We've got to protect the vulnerable, but we've got to get back to work. And he said he hammered on, we've got to reopen the schools, which I thought was great. And that that is going to move the needle. You've said it many times, Jack, that that's the number one issue in every house with kids in America. Getting the kids back to school. Yeah, and uh, Kristen Welker cited one school in Florida, someplace where teachers have gotten the COVID or something like that, and Trump, because he doesn't practice for these things that much, and because the moderator has no interest in the other side, wasn't able you know, to quickly come up with, they've done studies in 47 states, hundreds of thousands of students to show that this is not a problem right. opening up schools. He well, didn't have then, any he didn't have any stats to fire back with. And and there you know it's easy to Monday morning quarterback or sit on the couch and say, "Why didn't he throw to the tight end?" Well, cuz there was behemoth running at him. Um but at, <laughs> at one point in Joe Biden's in and rashly opened the schools and, and then a, the kids get sick. And Biden and, and Trump didn't say the kids are fine. The kids get over this. Well, he did point out his son had gotten it and got over it immediately, like a day later. But if he just said, the the Washington Post did a story on this, Joe, a couple of weeks ago. Schools are opening up and they're not spiking. The Washington Post. fine. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I was watching, uh, I watched a a whole bunch of different channels last night. Karl Rove made a couple of points. He thought where Biden, he thought uh, thought the the debate itself wasn't going to move the needle, but in the coming days, there are a couple of things Joe Biden said that Trump could take advantage of. Uh, if he finds a way to do it, one of the most glaring being Biden said nobody lost their insurance through Obamacare. Oh. Do you remember when that hit and you even had liberal journalists saying, yeah, I just got a letter today. I no longer have insurance. That was a huge deal when Obama and, and, and Biden claiming that didn't happen. God, the, the Republicans should have an ad out today about that. But yes, they don't. please. Well, as I tweeted and I'm trying to quote myself here accurately, um, well, I'm just going to have to paraphrase it, which is fine, because I said it. Did Joe Biden... Oh, there you go. OMG, Biden just claimed that if you liked your doctor, you kept your doctor. Right. Which that was, was the political lie of the year, according to the Washington Post. And Trump should know that. Yes, he should. have been able to point that out he on the stage. should have murdered him on that one. Yeah. And it didn't happen. Um, and the other thing Carl Rove thought was a big <laughs> deal, and we've got the clip of that, is about the oil stuff. Should we just play that, and then we could discuss it? Um Trump thought this was a big deal. Carl Rove thinks it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal. Okay, I have one final question. Would he close it down falls, the oil industry? It falls. Would you close it down the oil industry? Way, I would transition from the oil industry, yes. Oh, I would that's transition. a big statement. That's it is a big statement. That's a because big statement. I would stop. Why would you do that? Because the oil industry pollutes significantly. Oh. 
I see. And here's the deal. But That's a big statement. That. Well, if you let me finish the statement, because it has to be replaced by renewable energy over time, over time. And I'd stop giving to the oil industry. I'd stop giving them federal subsidies. He won't give federal subsidies to the to the gas. Excuse me, to the to uh, solar and wind. Yeah. Why are we giving it to oil industry? We actually do All give right. it to solar and wind. We and that's maybe the biggest question. statement in terms of business. That's the biggest statement. Okay. Because basically, what he's saying question. is he is Mr. going President. to destroy the oil industry. Okay. Will you remember that Texas? Will you okay. remember that Pennsylvania, Oklahoma? Vice President Biden, let me give you ten seconds to respond, Ohio. and then I have to get to the final question. You know what? That was a great contrast. That was. Trump A and Trump B. Trump A reared his ugly head there for a minute, where it was echoes <laughs> of the first debate, where Biden would say something, and, and Trump would essentially say, so's your face, so's your face, so's your face. <laughs> your, mother so's your, goes face. To, your mother goes to college. It was like, I can't even tell what he's objecting to or what his objection is. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was terrible. In that, he started down that road, but then he let Biden stammer out semi-coherently, his plans, then countered them. That was so good. If only there were three of those debates. Trump, and and listen, Trump. there are Trump fans and there are Trump worshipers, and we hear from the Trump worshipers. Trump, for all the screwing he takes from the media and the rest of it, he, he hung himself, he hanged himself. Um, the first debate was terrible, and the second debate he should have done remotely any way he could. And, and move the needle by comparing and contrasting himself effectively with old man Joe as he did last night. If there were three of last night, he'd win in a walk. Yeah, you know what would happen if, 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 your, if. if your aunt had testicles? She would probably declare herself to be my uncle. Um, so Biden announcing we're transitioning away from oil. That could be, you know, plenty. There's there's a big chunk of America that loves that. They were already voting for Biden. Mm-hmm. There's a big chunk of America that is horrified by that notion. And maybe there were some wobblers in there that you can pick up. The other one uh, that Carl Rove thought was a big deal, the the if you like your doctor, you can keep them lie. The we're transitioning off of oil, and then the third one being the I the, his fracking comments, which it's hard to imagine how how he thinks he's going to get away with saying that. I've I've never been against fracking. There's there's numerous comments out there on sure. video mm-hmm. um, over the years, so. But you know th- that's the sort of you stuff. Want, like a cl- I got, I think three times he said something about it. If you got it, yeah. yeah. Uh, here we go. But kiddo, I want you to just take a look, okay? You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you. I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate with you. Okay? No more. No new fracking. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, we would, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those. So you might not see it where you live, but I guarantee you they got ads running all day long in Pennsylvania. Yeah. With those clips and Biden from last night. So. Right. You know, Biden has a bit, makes of, a, difference. bit of fudge, fudge room because he's talking about transitioning away when he's coherent. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're going to hammer him with those quotes. Transitioning away, of course, is such a great way to have it both ways. Uh, right, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely it's a big box full of delicious fudge, but um, that's what politics is. <laughs> uh, the president, I thought, uh, did a good job of pointing out fracking has actually helped the environment because natural gas, which is what you frack for, you're not getting crude oil by fracking. If you're not familiar with the technology, you're getting gas. Um, it, it's so much cleaner burning than, than crude oil. 
So it's it is a good transitional uh, thing. Any discussion about climate change that doesn't involve nuclear energy is an incomplete discussion. Yeah, I've I've said that for a long time, and I'm glad to hear you repeat that. It's uh, it's astonishing to me. Um, uh, nuclear power is the one power source, the only one, where the waste is contained. You could build a nuclear power plant where I could see it from my home. I wouldn't care. Oh no, no, I have Unless no worries about my it view. I'm not worried about no. the, the 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 danger of the energy. You know, I might uh, not build it like directly on the San Andreas Fault, um, and and certainly you would take a look at the problems of the past. The really the only notable one being uh, Fukushima, because Chernobyl was a bunch of incompetent commie liars. Three Mile Island didn't happen. Um, so look at Fukushima. Realize what went wrong there. Uh, maybe don't <laughs> don't. Uh, you know, build a giant plant below sea level, but um, or or at sea level, but at any rate, yeah, nuke ought to be part of it, but it's uh, not because people have been terrorized. There's somebody saying they were yelling at their TV when Trump was describing Black Lives Matter. He's uh, terrible at that, yeah, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. our text line four one five two nine five KFTC. We got you know, more. I'm sorry. I, he's not terrible. He's just bad. I gave him a C minus. For that part of it, he pointed out the pigs in bacon or pigs in blankets fry like mm-hmm. bacon. But he didn't explain really what that meant. Um, it's once again, it's uh, he thinks everybody's watching cable news and following Twitter the way he does. Right. And um, he doesn't think he needs to do the backstory on all these different things. Uh, a big event that could happen before the election. China moving on Taiwan. There's some news out on that. What? We got more debate clips all in the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. From the 12, Jones keeps, gets a block, takes off, and he is gone. Trying to stay upright, and he trips. Absolutely all alone, and he trips. Going to the end zone and ends up carrying it as it is for 80 but a walking touchdown, it. and he tripped himself. This is the only way he doesn't score. That old turf monster got him right about there. <laughs> <laughs> Troy, Damn! Troy Aikman thinks that's funny. <laughs> the turf monster. <laughs> I haven't oh, seen the video. He's, he's just completely alone. There's, and goes down. there's nobody within five yards of him. Got a world-class oh. athlete given the task of just running down the field alone, and something happens. It's the most relatable thing I've ever seen an athlete do. Yeah, yeah. God dang it. That humiliating memory. I was a pretty serious baseball player. I thought I was going to play in college twice. Twice. I rounded third and tripped on my way to home plate. Totally. I had to go back to the base. Easy run. Kick in run, but I was running too fast. <laughs> Uh, kind of excited we get to talk to... I wasn't on TV. We get to talk to Lon Hee Chen coming up in a little bit. I want to ask him about Bobolinsky. we got to play those clips again. I'm telling you, Biden's goose is cooked, but is it too late? The, the timing's just like Watergate, but we'll talk more about that later. So here's a couple of stories for you if you want another uh, a wrinkle that could happen. With eight days to go... I've heard people say, oh, this eight days is going to seem like eight years. There are many more twists and turns. And I've heard other people say, no, nah, it's it's baked in at this point. 50 million people have voted. 
nobody's needles could be moved. I mean, there's, there's nothing that could change anything. Anyway, here's a big story. Uh, Washington Examiner. U.S. tells Taiwan to fortify itself to repel, to repel invasion from China. And we just sold them a whole bunch of armaments, by the way. Oh, boy. And from foreign policy, since early September, that is just a couple of months ago, China has been carrying out the most provocative and sustained show of force in the Taiwan Strait in a quarter century. Oh, boy. That is not a minor story. I think the timing is a coincidence. <laughs> um, I, I will tell you this, and this is getting back into a story we said we'd do a little bit later on. It is entirely possible that China knows something incredibly damaging to Joe Biden just to expose him as a liar who is intimately involved with his son's business dealings, as Mr. Bobolinsky is claiming with all the documentation which he has turned over to the federal uh, authorities. Um, if that is true... China absolutely has leverage over Biden. They assume he's going to win. They look at the polls. Uh, they have people who speak English, folks, and, and they follow our media. Um, and they're thinking we we begin moving now because these things take a while. Then as soon as he's inaugurated, we move. And he may he will have to move against us, but it'll be, uh, uh, what do you call it? It'll be soft-pedaled. It'll be uh, scaled back. Or they're anticipating chaos after the the day after the election. You know, uh, maybe you know they're so close. That's with, probably more like they're so yeah. close with Russia now. Russia's got something planned. They're going to sow the seeds of chaos and and uh, mistrust. And there's rioting in the streets, and everybody's claiming their guy won. And that's when China moves on Taiwan because there's just not the political backing for 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 Trump to do something. Right. Right. I don't know. I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah. Oh, none of that happens. But. Right, right. Well, yeah, it's going well. to happen. It's going to happen. China's not flexing its muscles there. They've been they've been wanting to take back Taiwan and pick, make it part of China f- since 1949 or whenever that is. And, uh, and 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 these military exercises aren't for fun. This is not a, a feign. They're going to do it someday. Yeah, some saber rattling like Iran frequently when they act like hard guys. It's um for their domestic consumption. It's to make the regime look strong. But China's intent, man, they're intent on expansion and consolidating and growing their power, especially in their region. So, yeah, 100% serious. Anywho, just wanted to bring yeah. that to your attention. Yeah, what the heck? You're worrying me now. I'm going to lose sleep. It's Friday. Friday. Got to get down on so Friday. So a guy who's done business with Hunter Biden and he claims Joe Biden, too, came out yesterday waving some cell phones and some papers saying, look, I got the cell phones, I got the emails, I got the texts to prove that Joe Biden absolutely knew what Hunter was up to. I've been in conversations with these people. Mm-hmm. Um, Fox is carrying it. New York Post is carrying it. Is anybody else? Wall Street Journal did an editorial about it. I haven't checked uh, the WSJ this morning. Um, but I haven't seen it anywhere other than Fox and New York Post. Like j- journalism, not commentary. Maybe you're like bad at looking, man. Uh, how do you spell that? Bo Linsky? There it is. Uh, I didn't find it in the Times. I did see it in the Post. What did they mention? Uh, Newsweek is on it. They lean a little bit right. Uh, C-SPAN, Tony Bobolinsky statement. They have that on their website. New York Post, Fox News, Twitter, Washington Post, Trump trots out Tony Bobolinsky. That appears to be an editorial. Lonnie Chen next. Strong and Getty. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In that email, there's no question that H stands for Hunter. Big guy for his father, Joe Biden, and Jim for Jim Biden. In fact, Hunter often referred to his father as the big guy or my chairman. So that's Tony Bobolinsky. He came forward yesterday and put his name and face on this scandal, this fake scandal, according to most of the mainstream media, about Joe Biden absolutely knew about the business dealings that Hunter had trading on the Biden name. 
And this Tody Bublinski's got the cell phones and the emails and the texts to prove it, he says. And he's turned them over to the Senate and the FBI. He's a, a former Navy officer. I think it's high time the Washington Post, the New York Times, 60 Minutes, and everybody gets into this story. Well, uh, uh, let's discuss the story, its significance, the debate, and much more with Lon He Chen, David and Diane Steffi, fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, also the host of the most excellent podcast, Crossing Lines, with Lon He Chen. Lon He, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm glad we had a real debate last night. That was fun. That was absolutely refreshing. Well, yeah, we've been saying all morning long, what, what would be different if, if Trump had been that Trump first debate? Right. We, might, we might be in a different situation right now. And then gone ahead and done it again in yeah. the second debate and followed up with last night. What, what do you think? I think you're right. We very well could be in a different place. I think that first debate, you know, as much as we talk about this race and the dynamics of the race having been set, I think the first debate for Trump reinforced the things people didn't like about him. Mm. And if, if he had come out, you know, last night I thought it was a very controlled performance. I thought he was able to back Biden into a corner, particularly guys on this energy stuff. This is going to be huge in oh, Pennsylvania, yeah. Ohio, all the energy extraction states. You go out there and basically say uh, you're sympathetic to the Green New Deal, that you want to get rid of oil. You know, the, the whole Trump riff about windows. Yeah, it was funny. But, you know, that's the kind of crazy stuff that's in the Green New Deal. Yep. Like, it's actually in there. Yep. So I, I thought I thought Trump did a good job of that last night. And you're right. If that Trump had showed up three weeks ago, you know, maybe the dynamics of the race would be a little different. Who knows? But but last night, I think for Trump, you got to consider it a good performance for him. And as we were discussing off the air just moments ago, I thought last night Trump reminded a lot of people why they fell in love with him, saying, listen, to all this talk. The guy was in office forever. He's a typical politician. That, that message still resonates, and it was completely hidden in the first debate. But I don't know. We are where we are, and it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. That, for me, by the way, is the most effective line, the most effective line of attack against Joe Biden. And it goes to all of the suspicions people have about politicians. It goes to all the suspicions people have about the usual political talk. You know, when, when Biden started talking about growing up, kitchen table, middle class, and Trump came back and said, that's just politician talk. I think a lot of people are sort of nodding their heads and saying, yeah, you know, actually, that is politician talk. Why don't you tell us what it is you really want to do? And and that line of attack, you've had 47 years to get stuff done. I've been in office for 47 months and compare my record to yours. I think that is exactly the sort of thing he needed to do. Uh, you know, and, and of course, the challenge here is, did he give enough people who may be turned off by, by Trump, maybe turned off by, by Trump's personality, by the way he does things? Did he give those people permission to vote for him last night? I think that will be a big open question. So we played the clip coming in of this guy who's come out and put his face and his name and his life's reputation on a story about Hunter Biden and emails and tying Joe Biden to business dealings. And the, you know, the, 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 the Bigfoot media um, has been more than willing over the last several years to run front page stories, lead stories with either anonymous sources or, uh, you know, or whatever. They're perfectly happy to do that. Now you got a guy out there. Do you, does this turn into something, do you think? I don't. I don't think it turns into something. I think it doesn't turn into something in part because of what you suggested, that there's really very little interest amongst those who would usually amplify a story like this. Wow. In fact, it's more, more than that, actually. You know, we've seen active efforts to suppress sure. the story. If you turn on... Uh, you know, any of the, well, not any, CNN and MSNBC and, and, and the major, uh, you know, over the network uh, stations, you turn them on, they're not interested in talking about this story. No, it doesn't exist. Now, uh, right. It, 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 it's almost like it never happened. And, and by the way, to me, I, I, 
I don't know. I question elements of this story. I don't know what's real, what's it, not. It I would, would like help if Rudy Giuliani wasn't involved. Rudy, Rudy <laughs> Giuliani being involved does not help any story you're ever in. Uh-huh. But yeah, I, I just, generally I, speaking, yeah, it's true. Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I feel like if we end up with a president whose family profits from them being in office, ho-hum. We've had plenty of politicians where that happens. But if we've crossed some sort of line with journalism where... Uh, you know, a person coming out and actually putting their name and face on it, and hey, here are my cell phones, here are my emails, and we don't at least look into it. I don't know if it's going to turn out to be true or not, but God, I feel like we've crossed some sort of line. It disturbs me. Well, for instance, and then we'll let you comment, Lonnie, the headline, the headline in a news story in the Washington Post is Trump campaign trots out former business associate of Hunter Biden ahead of debate. Good Lord, I remember when the Washington Post engaged in journalism. Well, and I think that's part of it that we've talked about this before, but, you know, people have expected the media uh, in the past to, to play the role of watchdog, right, to help to help us uncover stories. And, and they've done a good job of it in the past. The, the problem we're seeing now, I do think, and I think this is absolutely true, that, you know, everybody in the media, all of these reporters, they all have their own biases. It's natural. They're human beings. The question is, how much does that bias seep into what they're trying to do day to day? And, and for them to still call it objective journalism in many cases, I think is a big problem. And we just have to recognize that there is this bias, there is this point of view, and that's what we're getting, and that's what's being reflected. But uh, look, I think there are a lot of great journalists out there. I think there are a lot of people doing their jobs. But if you look at the industry as a whole, uh, you know, I'd say probably 90% of them are voting for Biden, 95% of them are voting for sure. Biden, right? And so I think that that makes its way into what is supposedly objective. And that disconnect between what it's supposed to be and what it actually is, that's where people lose trust. And that's when people have lost trust. I have a rant to go off on, but I won't do it until you've uh, (laughs) headed back to your real life, Lonnie. But what we have lost is not a minor point. It's an incredibly important principle of journalism. But having said that, I want to circle back to the debate for a second. How do you assess uh, Biden's performance? Um, I thought he was... Actually, the first hour I thought was very good for him overall. I thought that he came across actually it's pretty cogent, more cogent than I than I thought he saw. He looked in the first debate. the The last half hour was it was a hot mess. Uh, I think <laughs> you know when he started to talk about energy and the oil, getting rid of oil, the Green New Deal stuff. Uh, some of the, the the conversation around North Korea was a little incoherent too. So I thought first hour pretty good, holding his own. Last half hour hot mess. Yeah, I wonder how many people stuck around for the last half hour. Exactly. If you go in 15-minute increments, you know, the effect of the first 15 minutes is is 10 times the effect of the last 15 minutes, I think, just because right. of viewership. Right. Has, just because I know you, you've been involved in campaigns and you've you know studied this sort of thing. You has, being Lon He Chen, host of the Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen podcast. Has there ever been a presidential candidate of one of the two major parties two weeks out from an election that just stayed in the basement all week long. Has that ever happened? Well, I mean, you know, there was so-called Rose Garden strategy that's been run a few times by incumbent presidents, but usually this is like the stretch run, right? I mean, you've got to be out there. You've got to be making your point to the, to the voters in a pretty aggressive way. And I think there's an expectation of that. The, the fact that Joe Biden doesn't have a more active schedule, that he's not out there more, uh, you know, their campaign obviously thinks that is the best way for him to to be successful. Right. They obviously think that if he gets out there, if he's out there speaking and, and, and letting people see him, 
that that's going to produce a moment that's going to be a problem. That's and that's wild. the only reason you keep a guy. That's the only reason you keep a guy locked up like that. Right? Yeah, it reminds me of a guy hitting three hundred one who takes himself out of the last game of the year in baseball. It's chicken bleep. Um, what, what's the Rose Garden <laughs> uh, strategy? I'm intrigued. Well, I, I mean, it's 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 just this concept that basically you know you you do everything you can basically running from the. This was more applicable to incumbent presidents. Sure. The idea being that you use the majesty and the pageantry of the White House, and you basically just stay there. And you do events and things at the White House, but you don't actually get out out there and campaign. The goal of of that strategy, of course, is to remind people that you are the president, to remind people of things you've done. So it's a little bit different than in this situation, right? Because in this situation, it's a guy who's trying to become the president, who's the challenger. And and it's, it's just different if you've got him in his basement Versus if it were Trump, let's say, staying at the White House, then, then you could say, OK, he's got a Rose Garden strategy. Right. OK. I know no Harvard Law School graduate who bleeds more Dodger blue than you do. How are you feeling? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, look, I, the ghosts of 1988 always still 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 are there. And the fact that this <laughs> team has has been in good situations before. So I don't like them going out and losing game two. Oh, the way breaking they did, ball but... coming. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually one one signal on the trash can lid, not two. Um, <laughs> you see, he is hardcore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, so look, I'm I'm hopeful. I think they've got the more talented team. So I, I the more expensive team for the championship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, they've got the bigger payroll. That's for sure. See, my problem is I'm always getting the Houston Astros mixed up with Paul Revere. <laughs> One if by land, etc. Lan Hee Chen, uh, who is the David and Diane Staffy Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lan Hee Chen. Lan Hee, we could talk to you all day about this stuff, but you have better things to do than indulge a couple of half wits. So uh, we'll let you go. Thanks a million. It's fine. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was watching uh, Dispatch Live. That's a news source that I follow, and they did a podcast last night after the debate, and they, they've got something scheduled for, I think, election night or the next night or whatever, and they're just talking about, regardless of the result, hell of an interesting conversation to have once, uh, once you know, the next president has been chosen, whether it's Trump or Biden. If it's Trump, what does that mean for the landscape and another term and everything like that? And if it's Biden, what does that mean for the Republican Party, are they starting completely from scratch and it's just up for grabs? I think it might be. Yes. For who, whatever ideology or personality can grab the, the flag and run to the top of the hill first. Clearly. Absolutely that is the case. That's wild. I, I think that's the case to a large extent if Trump wins again, too. It's just going to be put off a little bit. Uh, oh, on that topic, the 2024 race has begun. Uh, Jack is going to pummel oh. me with his fists oh, wow. during the commercial break, but Tom Cotton is clearly... I got an instant camp- ulcer. 2024? <laughs> Tom Cotton is campaigning in New Hampshire. Oh, no, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's yes. not. Ow, stop hitting me. That hurts. <laughs> he oh. is. Deal with it. Oh, that's painful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such more. So much more to come. A British, uh, British uh, journalist embedded himself with the Antifa bully militant jackasses. Oh, cool. His report really thought-provoking. Uh, more debate clips. It's at six pounds a show in a five-pound bag. Don't dare tune out. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, I can't. I'm too big. You can do it. You, you, you can do it right here. Right here? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Come to me. Come to me. No, it's, too, it's too much. I can't do it. You, you can do it. I can't do it. I know you can. Come on. You can do it. You can do it. Little kid, uh, oh my god, encouraging his dad to climb up on the play structure with him. You don't oh. understand weight thresholds, Junior. How beautiful is that? Oh, so friggin' cute. And I tell you what, you there, can do it. There are plenty of wonderful moms who have that spirit too, but it's often dads who say, "You can do it. You can do it," as opposed to "Be careful. Be careful." We got a game we play in the backyard now. I play with uh, my uh, eight-year-old called Kick the Peanut. They've got these big. Uh, Jeez, uh, I thought you were about to say something oh, different. Oh, yeah, wow. really. Peanut, peanut, not peanut, 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 penis tit, peanut. <laughs> it's too close. <laughs> it's a big inflatable ball shaped like a peanut. It's actually a therapeutic thing. But anyway, I said it again. I kick it high in the air, and he catches it in the backyard. Fun. When I do that every day, and he plays it, he has so much fun. I have so much fun. It's just so freaking fantastic. (laughs) It's so great. I love that. Can we play Peanut? Yes, absolutely. You're on. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, you know, I I finally figured it out when I became a dad. uh, What my dad, who was a hell of a baseball player, thought when he said, hey, can we play catch? I know what he's thinking. He was thinking, yes. (laughs) That's beautiful. Uh, speaking of youngsters, you know, Sean, private, uh, private, Sean, um, I got, I got, demoted? you know what on my mind, he's a Jeffrey Tubening, uh, positive Sean and I were chatting over, over the, over the, uh, commercial break about this very story I was going to pr- present to you, um, a couple of stories, really, um, here's a little boy, uh, who's concerned that other people are concerned about, uh, trick-or-treating during the COVID thing, and so he's invented the candy pult, mm. it's a catapult, to hurl candy awesome. at his friends as they come a trick or treating. Love this kid. Just beautiful. And it looks exactly like a catapult designed by a kid would look like. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a bucket on what appears it looks like it might kill somebody honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just terrific little Connor. Nice job, buddy. Um and then there's this other story, Seattle Arcade unveils touchless pinball machines. Because they've been closed for eight months oh. due to the vid. Eight months. How you even well, still you know, open? Business people are evil. Rich people. Yeah, I'm sure this guy running this little arcade in Seattle is just rolling in dough. He, he probably has roughly one quarter of the houses of Joe Biden, for instance. But or Donald Trump, for that matter. Um, add a add a ball amusements in the Fremont neighborhood had to close its doors months and months and months ago and our genius employee Alex aka Sleepy came up with the idea of putting pedals on a pinball machine using all foot operated controls Uh, they worked on the idea for a couple of days they unveiled a prototype it seems to work really well Um, and and Positive Sean made the point and this is why uh, I don't hate Joe Biden but I hate his attitude about the COVID I hate the Paternalism of Andrew Cuomo, of, of of Gavin Mussolini, of Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. I hate the shut down and hide mentality. Sean, do you think you can briefly explain what we were talking about? Yeah, so I, I've come to appreciate that American entrepreneurship is one of the greatest engines of innovation in the entire world. Ever. And we 
we as a country and the governments didn't allow American business owners an opportunity to innovate their way out of this situation. Brilliantly put and, and concisely. Sure. Our well little, done, my our, lad. Our kids come up with candy catapults. Yes. Uh, it, the adults would have come up with something to keep their business open. And, and for a very simple example, like this foot pedal operated pinball machine. Right. Like, it, does it solve everything? No, but this is a this is cool. And I don't want to make this about Trump or Trump v. Biden or anything like that. But if can you imagine if the president had said, all right, look, here's what we're dealing with. Here's what we know so far about how it's transmitted. American business. This could be devastating to all of us. How can we innovate our our way to surviving this together? What can you do to keep your people safe and stay in business? Tell you what, think as hard as you can. uh, And and then at some point, maybe you have to have some local health and person rule on it. But the idea of, no, we're going to shut everything down unless it's essential. As we said a hundred times, um, how about safe be the standard, not quote-unquote essential? Right. If I'm selling knickknacks on the boardwalk, that's not essential by anybody's definition at any time, except all the people who feed their families from that knickknack store. It's a hundred percent essential. Let's make the standard safe, not essential. So the, the lockdown paternalism, then they stuck their fingers in the ears. They called any sort of dissent uh, uh, COVID denial. It was just terrible let us innovate our way out of this that's what we do that's who we are you sounded like joe biden a little bit there at the end come on that's who we are come on come on come on man come on come on come on to get what you were that's right he's not a come on he's a come on come on come on he dropped the m word last night too what malarkey oh uh, yes he did yes he, he did he, he says malarkey like not ironically he no. uses it in natural word. He's almost funny. 80. <laughs> this that, idea is a bunch of malarkey. That's what people said when men wore white dress shoes to work. Okay? <laughs> when, when men wore hats to go down to the corner store to buy a, a pack of Lucky Strikes. It's malarkey. And they had, they, those days, you used to remember the straight razor, you'd sure. bang them on the curb, get them rusty, right. put them in a rain in barrel, 23 get skidoo. them rusty. Here to be his knees. But getting to something you said a little bit ago that gave me uh, an ulcer, we are only 31 months away from the first debate of the presidential season for 2024. <laughs> who, who wrote that? I need to update my enemies list. 31 months to the first debates for the primary season. We can ignore them. Yep, we don't have to pay any attention. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.